What a week one we had in store for us yesterday. We pick it up again here today, LSU and Florida State. I'm your host, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my co-host, Joe DeLeon. Dude, I got to admit, what we are, we are oh my back, God. baby. We are back. What a week one, huh? Dude, I had so much fun watching that week one slate. And look, I got to say, you know, Colorado, as frustrating as it was watching us get proven wrong, that was one of the best games that we could have been giving in the opening slate. I mean, credit the Fox for just saying, we're going to put this game up there, even if it does end up being lopsided like everyone thought it was going to be. Blake, this is going to be a really funny show, though, because we're going to spend some time admitting that we were wrong, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about we were wrong for how we predicted that TCU-Colorado game, didn't give it the love it deserved. But then I get to turn around, and I get to talk all the shit that I want to South Carolina fans and Florida fans. Oh, it is going to be such a fun show to recap and talk about the crazy headlines that came from week one. Yeah, look, I I admit, I did think TCU ultimately would go into the later half of that game and pull it out because yeah. of depth and because of continuity. Like I did, like we did talk about though, you can and we mentioned this on Wednesday. Colorado just has green grass athletes all over the place. Okay. They are as talented mm. on the outside as anybody that you will see. Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards, uh, Horn, you name it. They have dudes. The biggest thing, though, Joe, up front. The reason yeah. we thought that TCU would be able to control things because how they would play up front. Nevertheless, they pushed TCU around. That is ultimately what won them the game. But we'll talk Colorado and Dion to start off. Florida and Utah, South Carolina, UNC. And then we'll give you all of the teams or all the players that impressed us here in week one. And then teams like Ohio State, Joe, they got a problem at quarterback, I think. Yeah, it's not being yeah, it's not being acknowledged enough right now. The the way that that game was played and his, his stat line doesn't look that bad. And you watch the end of the game and and he kind of got a little bit more comfortable. But man, the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka didn't go over twenty yards that's not their fault. That's not a well, dominant defensive scheme. Did get hurt. Marvin Harrison did get hurt early. Yeah, and I, I that was kind of one of the things that I said after the game is I wasn't sure how banged up he really was the rest of that game. But for the fact that Emeka Abuka only had, I think it was like three receptions, 16 yards, that's weird. And I blame that on Kyle McCord not finding his playmakers. They were open. Marvin Harris Jr. was open on a lot of plays, and he just kept going to Cade Stover. You're not going to blow past Indiana throwing the ball to your tight end every single time. This league, this, league, this college football in general is led by great quarterback play. And we'll talk about this this guy too later on in the show. Drew Aller went Oof. off. Yeah. Okay. Joe, we talked about him. One thing that we did hit on, okay, or I hit on, and you said you were going to wait and see, but you thought there was high high potential with him. Drew Aller's a dude. All right, like he's a dude. We knew he was a dude. He's a dude. I knew he was a dude. But one of the things that I said during the offseason, it, it played out. It played out in this game a little bit because it was a little close for comfort for the first three quarters, and then they kind of pulled away, and it was just garbage time points at the end for the rest of that game. Um, I, James Franklin, man, I just can't trust him to, to blow the doors off of somebody. I feel like he, he has so many opportunities to really establish dominance against an opponent and really establish himself as a team. He never does it. I, I wasn't like that impressed by the rest of that team. It was all Aller. It's all Aller. We'll talk about that as well. I, I will say this, and I don't want pushback from you. Promise? No promises. No promises. If a team's within 14 points and they are driving in the third quarter, that is not garbage time. Florida, okay. it's not garbage time, dude. Like, stop. If it's seven minutes in the fourth quarter and the other team that's leaning is driving, okay, maybe a little bit. You got to stop with this. Florida was down 14 and about to score a touchdown, okay? okay. And you're like, oh, boy, it's garbage time. It's not garbage time. Would you say, let me, and this is kind of unrelated, but it is. Would you say that Utah dominated Florida? 
Yeah. That's kind of my whole point here. They, like, if they scored a late touchdown, that goes it's, it's, it's difficult to say that, though, because you might have dominated in spurts, Joe. They did not dominate that entire game. You want to talk about something we were wrong about? Graham Mertz. Point. We were. Blank. All right? We were. That, and then, Joe, you look at Wisconsin yesterday, and you see Tanner Mordecai, okay? Graham Mertz. Congratulations, buddy, because you were the reason that Wisconsin won games last year. My whole point and what we were texting about, though, with that game is here's what I consider garbage time. I don't know about you, but I consider garbage time points that don't lead to a victory. So you scored a touchdown. You're still down. You still lose the football game. They had 14 minutes left to go. They were driving down 14. 14 minutes left to go. Joe, if they score there and they don't turn the ball over. Uh Uh-huh. They're down seven with 15 or 13 minutes left to go. Utah would have just ran out the but clock. But they didn't. Here's the point, though. But they, well, they still won by 13 points. Correct. But the, prob- the problem with that is, though, Joe, uh-huh. they didn't score with like, I think they, I think 20 minutes. They didn't score for 20 minutes. If they go and score, Joe, the game's out of reach. Anyway, all right. It's all it's all semantics. Wait, I said no pushback from you. <laughs> you gave me you nothing. You set yourself up for that. You shouldn't ask me not to push back when you know that if you ask me not to, I'm going to. That's on you. All right. Next time I'm going to tell you to push back. We okay. got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to discuss. Oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. Florida State LSU. Ooh. We're going to preview that game for about 30, 20, 30 minutes here. Uh, leading up to that. So everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups if you're on Facebook. If you're on Twitter, like, subscribe, notification bell, all of that good stuff. If you're listening to us, wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on Fubo TV, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Don't go anywhere. We got a lot to discuss. Be back soon. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back! Hold for comment. Hold for comment. I told you about Quinn Ewers. I told you about Quinn Ewers. I've watched too much film on Texas. Dude, and I sent you the video. Joe, he cannot throw the ball down the field. He is abysmal. And let me tell you something. We'll go into week two, talking a lot of Texas versus Alabama. Yes. There's no way in hell I am picking Texas to go into Tuscaloosa and win. No way. They're talk about a to me. Talk about a game that had could have so much potential for being a really good game, but I'm just going to come out and say this. That's going to be a really terrible game to watch. That is going to be Jalen Milrow, Quinn Ewers airmailing passes the whole game. I will say this though. Tommy Reese, Tommy Reese dialed some things up for Milrow though last night. Yeah, against Middle Tennessee State. I no, I, I don't, don't care know what if they're I doing mean. it against Air. I, I don't care. If you have other people Running against, uh, running, trying to take your head off. Mm-hmm. Joe, he clocked out as Jalen Milrow was clocked as the fastest player in college football yesterday. He's a good player. Look, I don't disagree. I mean, he's a really good player. He is being schemed up effectively, and it, we're going to find out if that pairing of Tommy Rees and Jalen Milrow is going to work. I mean, we'll we'll gonna, save that for Monday. We'll save that for they're going to win like. 20 to 14. It's going to be an awful I, I'm telling you, there's going to be an, a ridiculous amount of turnovers. There's going to be a bunch of missed assignments on both offense and defensive lines and in both secondaries. And it's going to be a slop fest. It's going to be a rock fight. I'm calling it now. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yep. Week one, though. Week one. Everybody hits the like and shares. We're talking about this. Week one was won by Colorado. Joe, 
I texted you this during the game. Even if Colorado would have lost, they would have won the week because of how much different they look. Yeah. However, listen, I just did not think that Colorado had the depth defensively. We talked about this on Wednesday. Clearly, we were right about the lack of depth defensively. So don't come on this show beating yourself up when you say defensively they lack depth. Joe, they do. That is the bottom line. They lack depth. One thing we did talk about, though, on Wednesday, they have athletes all across the field. There is no debating that. When you add guys like Shador Sanders, you add guys like Edwards, you add guys like Travis Hunter, Horn, et cetera, they have green green grass athletes. Joe, everybody's going to talk about Deion, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter. They Mm -hmm. should. The key to that game was Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator. He called arguably one of the best games, which in turn does need to give credit to Deion for hiring him. They are so much more well-coached than I ever expected them to be. They are so much better offensively. Shador Sanders threw for 510 yards yesterday, Joe, and did and sat in the pocket, did not want to run, forced the ball down the field. Here's the, here's the play of the game, though. Fourth and two, late in the game. Shador Sanders buys times, throws it to Dylan Edwards, bang, touchdown, ball game. They are offensively, they can go up with anybody they want to if they have the green grass athletes. But the massive thing for me going away from this game and why I think now, Joe, you have to turn to say that they could go seven and five, max eight and four potentially. They pushed TCU around up front, and it was amazing to see. The first uh, rushing touchdown they had in the game the little H-back fullback hit one of TCU's linebackers so hard, his grandchildren just felt that hit, okay? They are impressive up front offensively. Shout out to Dion and what they did because it was really, really fun to watch. So what's often a common misconception when you do shows like this, people assume when you, assume when you have a take that you're not allowed to come back we're and say gonna you're wrong. Wrong. We're yeah, going to be wrong. We're going to be wrong. We're going to be wrong, and I am always going to be the first person, even though I speak with, with such vindication and honestly in absolutes when I talk about games, I will always come on here and admit I was wrong. And you know what? I, I, I laughed too much about what Colorado's capabilities were going to be against a team that played in the national championship last year. I overassumed that they would retool and be ready to go for this game and that they would start the season off strong. I also... Look, I, the odds were really stacked against Colorado. To bring right. in that many transfers in week one is a Herculean task. But the thing that I completely forgot about is the guy who's running this team. He is one of the best chemistry-building coaches in all of college football. No I can doubt. sit here and say that firmly. All those guys look bought in. And the biggest thing for me is that there's clearly a lack of depth. There is clearly a lack of... Um, Especially depth. defensively up front. Yes. You cannot deny that. I mean, the fact that Travis Hunter played as much as he did is a massive snaps. It's a massive accomplishment, but that's proof that they're lacking of depth that he has to be on the field that much on both sides of the football for them to win that game. If he doesn't play that much, I don't know if they win. You know, I don't know if they can finish that game out. But the biggest thing here is with all those guys clearly being dead tired in the heat, the Texas heat, whether that they're probably not used to as hot as it was to keep fighting every single offensive drive. And then at the end of the game, when they needed to make a defensive stop, they did exactly that. There are well, still holes. There's still holes and there's still concerns that need to be, a, to, to be figured out. But I'm all in on Dion. I've always been a supporter of Dion Blake. You have. I have been in on him since his time he took over at Jackson State, but I was a little too bullish. Realistic. It was a little too bullish and realistic for week one. Travis Hunter made a statement yesterday as arguably one of the best, if not the best player in college football. Yeah. Now, my good buddy, my mentor, Bill King, he's been, you know, XM Radio has been the voice of college football a long time. He's a dude. I mean, the man knows more about college football that I've forgotten more about college football and its history mm-hmm. than probably I know. And I texted him yesterday, and he, I said, man, do you, is any is there ever been anything like Travis Hunter? 
And he said, yeah, Charles Woodson. And I was like, okay, well, that that's that's fair because he won the Heisman play both ways. Yeah. But I'm going to push back on what he said. I've never seen this. I've never seen a guy literally be on both sides of the ball almost every snap. Joe, here's the thing that sold me on Travis Hunter being a great player. Was not the interception, was not the touchdown that got called back, was not all the receptions. Floor, uh, TCU or Colorado pinned TCU down to the one. Okay. And they brought up, bro- broke off a 75 yard run. Travis Hunter tracked down the running back to stop the play. Shiloh Sanders made the tackle. Now, Shiloh covered up a lot of sins in that secondary. A lot yeah, of yeah, sins yeah. in that secondary. So, yeah. a lot of people want to talk about Shador. Shiloh literally. You watch the film today, he saved them a lot of times. But Travis Hunter running down that the running back, stopping the play, five four snaps later, having the interception. So it looked like he was playing man coverage. He baits Chan, or Morris, okay, to throw to the running back out of the backfield. The diving interception, I'm sold. He might be one of, or not might be, he is one of the best players in college football. Even though he's so great, though, I cannot walk away from this game mm. not talking about Shadur Sanders. I, I just – it is hard to throw for 510 yards on air, much less do what he did. Joe, I look at him, and you can just look at the stat line, 38 of 47, 510 yards. The most impressive thing was he threw for 10.9 yards per completion. That is in nuts. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. That is elite stats against a power five opponent. Joe, they're going to upset somebody that they're not supposed to. Now, I look at their schedule. They got Nebraska next. I think they could beat Nebraska, Colorado State, but they go to Oregon. They got USC. They got UCLA on the road. They got Oregon State. Joe, we might look up at the end of the year and this team be seven and five, eight and four and say to ourselves, my goodness, what it, if they do what we think that they can do, Dion should be the coach of the year. Absolutely. To that statement about him being the coach of the year, again, to, to get this team ready to play on a week to week basis like this, if this team finishes, I think it's realistic for them to get to, to shoot for eight wins for them to beat the, the weaker teams in the Pac-12 on their schedule, and then maybe they fall to those top programs that have been hanging around at the top for as long as they have. To talk about Travis Hunter, though, I don't know why one of the people I thought of that maybe is the closest to him uh, was Miles Jack when he was at UCLA. Played a lot of running back, played a lot of linebacker, eventually ended up going full-time uh, to, to linebacker. But he kind of did a little bit of that, but not at the same level of Travis Hunter. I texted you this, and I'm going to continue to go as far as to say this. If he is fully healthy, there are no injury setbacks for Travis Hunter, and he plays the whole season, maybe not 100 snaps a game. Maybe he plays like 80 a game, 90 a game, which he should be doing. That needs to be what the, you know, the pace is. Otherwise, that's going to be very unsustainable. Nobody physically can endure that much contact. It's going to be really hard for him. But if he can play that much, make those plays, rack up that many receiving yard, those many receiving yards, get those interceptions, those turnovers, especially like the one that he had on the goal line, the guy's going to be at the Heisman podium. I don't know if he wins the award, but he will be at, at the podium. We will be talking about him. The media loves stories like this, which is why we are talking about him right now. He is going to be at the podium. Nobody has done this before. This is uh, an insane feat that is never going to be matched on any level. This is Otani. This is Shohei Otani that everyone has been saying on Twitter. I don't want to anoint him as that. Shohei Otani is the best baseball player in the in the world. I don't want to anoint him as that. He needs to go through a season. I do agree he could find himself at the podium. Joe, this has nothing to do with the media, though. This has everything to do with what he just did. The media had – take the media out of it. If well, the media you, picks the Heisman, you know. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is this isn't going to be trumped up because of media. He's just a – if this were anybody at Ohio State, if this were somebody at Alabama, Michigan, LSU, it wouldn't matter because they would be doing that. Now, 
he's just one of the best players. That's why he would be up there. It's not yeah. discrediting him to do that. Joe, here's the thing I walk away before we move on to Florida and Utah on this. Yep. It's really it's gonna be really hard to sell people on now that it takes that long to rebuild the team. So okay, when you, you talk that? about when you talk Joe, he he had eighty an eighty seven player change yes. at Colorado. They won a game. When that when Colorado goes out there next week and beats Nebraska, they're gonna double their wins. They were the worst team in college football last year. The simple nature that Colorado could be a middle-tier average, above-average team is going to show why in year one, if you if you get hired at a Florida, Billy Napier, you get hired at a USC defensively, oh, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Hey, man, there is no excuse for Billy Napier. So to segue into this, because I'm sure we're going to talk about Billy Napier, Hey, man, I, I don't mean this in a wrong way, but this, in a small way, Dion made Billy Napier look horrible. He has I – lo- I like this point. He has created extremely unrealistic expectations for your first-year and second-year head coaches. Oh, the, all these coaches are screwed. And I think that most administrations are going to be patient at most programs, and we're going to talk about Florida in a second and how this relate patience relates to it. But going forward, fans are not going to be patient. They've never been patient. Nor should they be, Joe. Yeah. You had Brian Kelly a year ago. Y'all, people hate when I say this. You had Brian Kelly a year ago at this time when he started his season that had 39 scholarship players when he got there. He completely revamps the roster. Dion does the same thing. Joe, he could he could do damage in the pack. Like what I'm not gonna say he can do what Brian Kelly did. That's a completely different scenario and situation. But it you cannot like Joe, I look at Billy Napier today and say to myself, you are not only underperforming, you are vastly underperforming. I look at Lincoln Riley in the and USC defensively. You are vastly underperforming. It's not an excuse anymore. What Dion just did was create the ultimate chaos. As they, We talked about this on Wednesday. It's like your boy from the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger. One little mare dies and everybody believes it's chaos. He creates chaos. Dion just created chaos in the best way possible. If you're a fan today of a big-time program, there is zero excuse for you not – what f- happened to Florida on Thursday, there's zero excuse for Billy Napier. None. I want to bring this up too. Uh, Julian brings up a really good point. Texas State did this – and it's not talked about as much because it's Texas State, but G.J. Kinney, really good head coach. I think he brought in 50-plus transfer portal players, did the same exact thing and came out and beat Baylor. And I would argue that that's actually – possibly more of an upset and again it's not it has not been talked about as much both of those coaches though have created really unrealistic expectations for capabilities in year one i want to see how they finish the season though because our tune might change look bottom line is i love dave aranda and talking about that i love dave dave is vastly underperforming too all right speaking of florida and utah joe well let me back up I haven't said anything negative about Graham Mertz. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Go back wait, through it. Go wait. back through it. My memory's not good enough to remember, but I think you might have spoken on the, the way that he was looking during spring ball that he looked bad, if I recall back to April. But I did not crap on him like you did. Okay. I did crap on him. I mean, I didn't you, think he was you, very good at Wisconsin. I Wait, wait, okay. You're kind of breaking up a little bit. Kind of is my mic okay? Can you hear me? It it's kind of choppy. Can you give me one second? Yeah, give all right. Do you need to drop down? Yeah, let me let me drop down one second. Okay. All right. So we're gonna talk uh Florida and Utah. Just my my thoughts right quick uh, on this. We just discussed this. Okay, but I fully am to the point where 
when you talk about Dion and the vast change that they just had, okay, versus what Billy Napier is now doing, Joe, they look so bad offensively. Now, I will say this. They moved the football on Utah more than I thought some people thought that they would, okay? Graham Mertz throwing for over 300 yards, I, I mean – I don't think I was expecting that. But they continuously shot themselves in the foot, Joe. And Florida's just not a good team. They're not a good team. It, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Joe. If, if what would you say if LSU, Ohio State, um Michigan, Georgia, Tennessee, uh USC, Oregon, if they lost to two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Second and third string dudes, and they lost to him. You would be ripping them alive. Billy Napier deserves a lot of criticism today. Do I sound okay? By the way, men's a men's. Keep going. Okay. Uh, people in the chat are saying I sound fine, so I don't know if it's something wrong with your headphones. But here's one of the things that I had said during leading up to this game. It's not so much that I wasn't in on. Graham Mertz I think that Graham Mertz could have looked better and I think that he could have been a key important part of this game which he was he was a lot of their offensive production he was a big reason why they almost kind of pulled back in at the end he did make some bad mistakes but the biggest thing why they won last year is because Anthony Richardson was a crazy athlete who put the team on his back and ran all over Utah and as Good as Graham Mertz could have been in this game and made improvements, he was not going to be able to be enough to beat Utah single-handedly. Florida fans didn't want to admit this, and Florida fans got all upset and hot and bothered when I said this, that there is so much poor depth on that team, and there are way, way too many young players for them to show up and beat a well-coached, physical defensively dominant despite being hindered by injuries Utah team that is a recipe for disaster that was why I picked Florida and it played out exactly as I predicted that Graham Mertz was going to maybe make some nice plays but he wasn't going to be enough Cole Bishop by the way the safety for Utah was smacking dudes all day he's a big reason why they won I give a lot of credit to him and I give a lot of credit to Nate Johnson who I think they should build out a whole package for him that kid should come into the end of the game every other series just read option the way that they did against Florida. Okay, maybe it is just me, Joe, but you kind of are breaking up, but we'll, we'll, we can push through it. Okay. Um, so, look, I, I look at this game in a lot of different ways, okay? Graham Mertz was not as bad as people thought he was, 31 of 44. Joe, they would get – they had four first downs that got called back, okay, during the game because of penalties, but they're so badly coached. This has no this game to me has nothing to do with Utah and has everything to do with Florida. Everything. The simple fact that Billy Napier and company had multiple dudes with the same number on, the same number on special teams. Joe, yeah. what are we what are they doing? B- Look, there has been a lot of criticism on Billy, and it's rightfully deserved. I don't know what else you want me to say. They tried to run the football. They couldn't. 21 attempts, 10 of those being with Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson is not enough. I don't care that both of them are only having two, three, four yards per carry. I don't care about that. Keep the ball away from Utah. You're not you're not going to be able to with this unit g- to go out there and throw on everybody and think that you can win. Joe, they might win four games. They may yeah. win four games because the schedule that they have is so brutal that I don't look. I don't want to overreact, but and everybody keeps saying that. All right, well, he's recruiting at a high level. Those kids are not going to come in next year and do anything either. They're not. DJ Lagway's not going to come in there. Okay, and true. Throwing the ball all over the place to where they're capable of where Florida should be. 
Joe, there is no business whatsoever that year in and year out that Florida should win eight and nine games, possibly double digits. Dan Mullen was doing it. We saw that. They were worried about him recruiting. Okay, well, he had continued to do what he was doing every single year. They should have let it play out. Dan did not deserve to be fired, man. They had one subpar year, one subpar year, and they kicked him to the curb. And they went and hired a guy who's running a, a high school offense. This pistol shit that he's running out there, this isn't the Wild West, Billy. You're not the kid. I'll let you country people put that one together. They are not a good team from top to bottom. Now, defensively, Joe, like I told you, defensively up front, they're not that bad. They have dudes. They don't have a lot of speed on their defensive line, and that kind of that kind of showed up. Um, by the way, the chat does look like they're saying I do sound fine. Somebody said, unfortunately, they can hear me loud and clear. Um, All right, here's well, just me. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I, I don't know if you want to maybe unplug your headphones and plug them back in. Um, while you're you doing know, it's like that, stream, I'm, it's like the stream yard thing. You know how like you you get robotic. Oh, maybe it's the internet on your end then. Probably. Here's something that you're not going to like. And I said this after the game. I did a, a reaction video after the game. And I said this. And a lot of Florida fans, some of them like, agreed with it. I read an article the morning of the game. And one of the things that had been emphasized by the athletic administration for Florida is that they were going to be as patient as possible with Billy Napier. Which I know that, that maybe that's not a good decision in your eyes. But they, they have rushed through every single coaching hire since Urban left. Every single coach that has been there has been rushed in and out of the door. And look, as much as Dan Mullen has put together a good product on the field, he was not up to par in recruiting. And that, that shit was going to catch up to him really quick. Florida fans, as we just talked about a second ago, Coach Prime has made a really unrealistic expectation but some teams, when the roster is in disarray, it's going to take three years, Blake. It's not going to be an immediate thing back to elite level playing. It's just not going to. It's but, going to take time. I saw a lot of young talent on the team on the field. I saw some good splash plays from some of their young players. But they made a bunch of dumb, young, young inexperienced mistakes. That's what that, that punt return issue was and the false starts. All of those things are just inexperienced. That punt return mistakes. thing is a coaching thing, Joe. It has nothing to do with players. The kid, the kid, I would have told the damn kid to get a new number. I, I'm not doing the change the jersey Joe, thing before you got to return. Florida kick. issues the numbers. The coaching staff's gotta know. That is not an excuse on a player what both. It's both. It's no, both. it's not. The kid doesn't need to no. be wearing number three. Joe, if you have multiple players on the same field with the same number, that falls on one person and one person only, Billy. They're going to give Billy time. They're going to give him at least one more Sounds year. good. Continue but, to lose. I don't but, care what they do. I hate Florida. What do I care? As an LSU fan, I hate their guts. What do I care? Joe, they are not good. They, they, are, they are abysmal. And this whole notion that they want to give him time, please, dear God, you know who, who else stunk God? early on that's in the same exact state that is right now being brought up in the national championship conversation? If you say Mike Florida Norvell State. And if you're Florida going to say State. Florida State. This, Mike Norvell and Florida just State. Just because it's happening in the same state. Joe, I will tell you one thing. They never looked that bad. They lost to Jacksonville State. Sure. They lost to Jacksonville State, who is now an FBS team. A team they that weren't was at the time. They were not at the time, and that was during a COVID year when when they weren't playing it. That was the like, singular game of the season. Just because it happened in the same state doesn't mean that they get a pass. It doesn't matter if it's in the same state or not. It's just a matter of there is precedent that obviously, yes, Brian Kelly can get the team up to par. Lincoln Riley can get the team up to par in competing and being a top 15 team. But success is not the same in every location, especially when we look at the way that the rosters were left to them by the previous coaching staffs. I think by next year, Florida they was can not be vastly higher need when Billy took over. They Billy, looked terrible Billy, last year. Yeah, Joe. He, if you let me give you a quick history lesson, just in case you don't remember, he made players hit the door. 
Billy, that, Billy let players hit the door and said that they don't fit his culture. Well, your culture is getting your ass kicked. There is no excuse, zero excuse, for Florida to go out there against a third-string quarterback and let him whip their ass up and down the field. Zero. If this were anybody else, mm-hmm. anybody else, we'd be saying, oh, well, you know, that, that, can't, that just simply can't happen, baby. But because it's Billy and because everybody says that they're going to let him do it, I disagree. I disagree. I think that because it's Florida, naturally, just like your reaction and being an SEC fan and covering an SEC team, your reaction is going to be that there should be immediate winning. I think I'm in the in the minority here of folks that think that he should be given time. There are results that can be found with the way that he is recruiting. There are plenty of coaches, examples that we can point to that when they were given three to four years to rebuild the roster their way, it eventually leads to success. I just think that Mike Norvell is the best example that we can point to. It takes time. He needs another transfer portal class and to bring in that 2024 group and that 2023 group that was really talented to develop. When those kids are sophomores and they go get another transfer portal class, they can be really good. I would argue if they had gotten some of the guys that they were in the running for in the portal, they could have looked a lot different than they did against Utah. Dion says hello. You want to move to right. South Carolina and UNC? Oh, do I ever. Okay, go ahead. South Carolina fans, what did I say? What did I say, Blake? Blake, you didn't want to listen to me about South Carolina. I said, and it's the same thing with Florida, that roster was decimated by the transfer portal. All of their top play, most of their, sorry, most of their top playmakers left in the portal. They brought in a pretty good recruiting class. There's a lot of really nice young football players that played in that game. But Shane Beamer's like not this savant coach that's going to immediately get those guys ready to play. That He was going to get them to step up to the stage against UNC that has a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, a future top five pick in the NFL draft quarterback. There was was absolutely no shot that they were going to show up and play in that game. That was a buzzsaw that they ran into. And it played out exactly as I thought it was going to be. Spencer Rattler went 30 for 39 with 300 plus yards. I think that this is a couple of things. Number one, you have a, you have two quarterbacks in the backfield. You have one at running back. The offensive line is abysmal. That was my whole point. Doe line is abysmal. And I just don't know if I've seen a team that has recruited some of the ways that they have. They lost in the portal massively. And I was not expecting a team that only had 17 sacks a year ago to come in and do what they did. Uh, Joe, the truth is Spencer Rattler was the only reason why they were in this game. Only reason. I will admit I was wrong there. I will admit I was wrong there. Well, and – well, you weren't wrong, but that my point to the UNC thing, I mean, buddy, Drake made through two picks. Defensively, they were not as bad as we thought. It's just offensively, Shane Beamer has not figured it out. And Spencer Rattler, God bless his soul, Joe, if they had anybody else there besides some of the better quarterbacks in the country, they would have gotten their asses beat. They did not put Nicholas Harbour into the game, which I thought was a massive miss. They continue to run the football when they clearly they couldn't. They should have let Spencer Rattler have 55, 60 attempts. And I know that sounds ridiculous and stupid because it is, but Joe, they couldn't move the ball any other way. No. And then, you know, Shane Beamer at the end of the game blaming, you know, the 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 sideline guys eating hot dogs. No, man. Maybe you should have been eating a hot dog. Maybe you should have eaten a Snickers bar and figured it out. You because you sucked. Joe, they sucked. Their O line sucked. I, I just, I, I, I am, I am appalled about how bad they looked up front. And Spencer Rattler, God bless him because he gave it everything he had. Here is a take that I don't think you're expecting, but I actually did say this on the preview show. I think the real takeaway here is not, oh, you know, South Carolina looked looked bad, North Carolina looked good, blah blah blah. 
I think that both these teams were just really overhyped, and then that was a really mediocre football game. I think that Drake May didn't look as perfectly clean as he could. He threw two interceptions. He did have a bunch of really nice throws to play up to the level that we expected. But I, we said this during the offseason. South Carolina and North Carolina were both overhyped. North Carolina's overhyped because of Drake May on the roster. They're going to be a, a mid-tier ACC team, and they're probably going to finish in the very back end of the top 25 when the season's all said and done. And then most importantly, as I said the whole offseason, South Carolina is not a rankable team. They are a seven-win team. That is what I saw. That is a seven-win, six-win SEC team. That is the most that they will reach by the end of the season. Both these teams are really mediocre. I just think that because College Game Day was there, this game got more attention than it really you know, justifiably deserved. I agree. I agree. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, Joe. Teams that impressed, teams that didn't, we'll, mm-hmm. are, it, we'll get to that. And then we'll run that through that one really quickly, and then we'll pregame for Florida State and LSU. Let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. Teams that impressed, or players that impressed. Uh, Joe, you want to start off here? Yeah, the big one for me, actually, I'm going to kind of bunch these two together. Two teams that I was really high on in the offseason that looked the part against lower-tier competition. Washington exploded in the second half. Lots of big plays. I think that their defense was a little slow to get going, but they eventually finished and and really shut down Boise State despite going up against a really athletic quarterback in Taylor Green. And then Oklahoma, man, that is just a, a bloodbath, the scores that they put on. Um, against uh, Arkansas State and Butch Jones. And right. Butch Jones crying on the sideline, <laughs> which is nuts. Uh, but both those teams looked as good as advertised that they just threw an embarrassing number of points on the board. Yeah, poor Butch Jones, man. He Oof. looked, you know, he – he, and I, I, I understand it, man. It's tough when you're a competitor and you lose that way. But you can't be crying on the sidelines and having players pick you up and – console you look i think we learned a lot about texas a&m in the sense of who's going to call plays yesterday joe yeah um i'm going to say them because there's a lot of offseason about well jimbo's not going to let him call plays that was obviously a lie oregon offensively they did not miss a beat after changing their ocs and i already mentioned drew eiler so um those are my two or three that impressed even though both of those teams played non really good competitive teams uh, Joe, not impressed. I think we both lean on Ohio State here. Yeah, I mentioned it, or we mentioned it at the top of the show. Kyle McCord was fine. I don't understand why there wasn't – it was clearly an easily beatable team because they played like crap offensively, and they still won by a pretty easy margin. I don't know why Devin Brown didn't get rotated in a little bit more, why they didn't give him more opportunities to get into the mix because – Kyle McCord didn't cut it. It was the complete opposite of what we expected. We were talking about how it sounded like it was a a situation of two elite quarterbacks and you had to pick between the two. And instead, maybe they don't have anybody. Maybe they don't have a guy and they're going to struggle this year. That was my biggest concern coming into the season. Kyle McCord plays like that against Michigan and Penn State. They're going to lose both of those games. I thought the play calling was subpar. Uh, from Brian Hartline, maybe there's going to ha- need to be a change there. I saw O-line-wise, they didn't look as good as I thought that they would either. Um, I, I, look, I'm going to give Ohio State and Ryan Day time. I do think that they can get this fixed because, look, they're too, they got too many good athletes. They're too well coached. 
They're breaking in a new quarterback. Look, and for the first time, they look, you know, like a normal team offensively. You got to give them some grace. I think they'll be okay, but I was not impressed. Texas and Quinn Ewers. Joe, you can hear me fine, by the way. Yeah, you sound you sound clear. Am I okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay. I had a it, it's my son. He's buying shit on PlayStation and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Um look, Texas and Quinn Ewers, they are who they thought we thought they were. And I, I've tried to say it all offseason. They're gonna have to make a change of quarterback. Joe, I sent you the video of all the broke broken down plays. He yeah. just cannot, for the life of him, make right decisions. If it's not schematically perfect, he's not going to make the play. that He's not going to thread the needle. He's not going to make the right play. I was not impressed. In the, and look, Rice sucks. JT Daniels sucks. They did not impress me. To, to quickly add to that, man, the guy just has no touch. He's got no timing. It, it's... He's got all the talent in the world. He could be a top five quarterback in college football, but nothing, there's just nothing clicking for him. And it's it's sad because Texas might actually be able to be pretty good this year. And I, I said this this offseason, that they're a team of talent, but not coached up in actualized talent. I, I hope they figure it out. I, I hope they good. They can because if, uh, if Texas is good, it's good for college football. But, man, they looked, uh, they looked pretty gross. All right, you ready to move on? We'll talk about Iowa at some point, but I'm not wasting my breath yeah, on let's Iowa. Let's move on. <laughs> Florida State and LSU kick it off tonight at 6.30. So within about an hour and 45 minutes from now, they'll be kicking uh, that one off. So looking forward to it. Joe, listen, I really do hope this game lives up to the hype. Um, but, but. I'm as nervous as a long tail cat sitting next to a rocking chair. Okay. I I hope this one lives up to the billing. I, but I just think LSU's got to go in there and do what they need to do. And I think Florida State, if they do what they need to do, both teams can come out with a victory and nobody be surprised. LSU's defense has to stay disciplined. Florida State's going to run counter. They're going to run the RPO off of counter. You have to stay disciplined. The thing that people are not – talking about enough in my opinion last year Kim Ryer started right tackle LSU had a true freshman that would come out come in later in the year they think Jared you know Florida State fans for what it's worth they think that they're going to run over LSU it is what it is we've seen it on social media Harold Perkins didn't play in that game last year I think this is two teams that are vying for a playoff spot I'm going to lean LSU here because I think Jane Daniels and Brian Kelly are better that's where I go with this one, Joe. Yeah, I said this coming into the week. This game, and it's kind of really funny when we published uh, the clip of us both breaking breaking down the game. My take was basically, I could go either way, but I'm slightly leaning Florida State, and some uh, some LSU fans were a little upset with that take. But regardless, this game is two teams that mirror each other perfectly. They both did really well in the transfer portal. They both have uh, seasoned quarterbacks that are really good athletes that can throw on the run that can stretch the pocket, that can really hurt defenses um, when they're moving the pocket in the way that they, they can play their game. And they both have really good receivers, strong running backs, good offensive lines, really strong defensive lines. They are reflective across the board. And I think that one aspect, as I brought up on Wednesday, Blake, is I need to see what LSU secondary looks like. Kind of like with the Colorado TCU game that we talked about earlier I was worried about Colorado's offensive and defensive line, and they came and played. They rose to the occasion. They stepped up to the challenge. LSU could do that. They can do that. Zy Alexander, Denver Harris, all of those guys can step up to the occasion and play better than we're expecting because they have the talent. We just haven't seen them play together. I just want to see how they look in this first that first drive, that first defensive drive. If they can get a stop, a good pass breakup, that, to me, would give a lot more confidence in how LSU is going to play in that game. I think the front seven is going to look good. But, Joe, we've been out there at practice, pretty much every practice that LSU's had, and the secondary has not looked fantastic. Um, I think LSU is going to have to bend, don't break on this one. Okay? You're, you just cannot allow Florida State and those wide receivers, Jaheim Bell, those running backs – you just can't let them get out in space. You can't let them beat let them beat you deep. 
let everything be in front of you, come up and tackle, and I think you'll be fine. You know what is interesting, though? Offensively, offensively, uh, for Florida State, I sent you this this week about from Oklahoma, from the bowl game. Oklahoma had no business getting penetration the way that they did. And if you can't stop some of the things that Oklahoma had for you, what do you think Harold Perkins is going to do? One thing I do think is interesting is LSU. I mean, Oklahoma in that game did run for a lot of yardage, okay? But Fabian Fabian Lovett and Braden Fisk both did not play in that game. Obviously, Braden Fisk is coming in from the portal, and Fabian Lovett was out. I do think LSU is going to try to get their playmakers out in space, Malik Neighbors, Aaron Anderson. Um, but look, I, I just don't think that Florida State at the end of this, I just don't know if they have accounted for because Joe, I think LSU's offensive line is one of the best in the country. I really do believe that. They have two all American tackles. Yeah. They have guys in the interior that really show that they can play against Georgia and Alabama. Let's see what happens here. But if you're telling me that a team with a backup quarterback can score 30 points against Georgia, what do you think that they can do against Florida State? The D-line that they this unit faced a year ago is like – so when you've put on the film against Georgia, that D-line is better than this one. They don't have a car, They don't have a Jalen Carter in the interior. If LSU can show – Joe, the one thing that I'm going to look at early – if mm-hmm. LSU shows that they can run the football at a consistent rate, my anxiety level as a fan is going to go way down. Way, 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 way down. And this is a this is going to be a chess match, not a, a checkers game. What I don't think, Joe, that you can anticipate, like, look, if one team doesn't look good on, on one drive, I'm not going to overreact either which way. Last year I did, and we saw what happened in, in Jaden Daniels. I do think that he's the X factor. The other X factor that I have in this game is Mason Taylor. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Florida State has anybody in the linebacker unit linebacker room that can stay, keep up with him, and I think he's too big and too physical for both of their safeties that are going to be new. Florida State, for what it is, for what it's worth, is Keon Coleman's coming in here. He's new. Destin Hill, he is new. So, <clears throat> we'll see, man. But I do think that LSU – the biggest matchup of this game is LSU's O-line versus Florida State's defensive line. And I think that that is an NFL type of matchup all across the board. The other thing that you brought up on the last show that we did when we, we are, did our first preview of this, that kind of spurned my my approach for this game. I Look, I'm not moving off my Florida State pick, but – why I still firmly believe this can it's a coin flip. It the line, whatever it is, it's like minus two and a half. It it should just be a pickup. I really well, am the line and, is at one and a half now. One and a half, so a move. It should be a pick 'em now. Well, what basically you, is. Yeah, yeah. What you said about the coaching experience for LSU and Brian Kelly's success in bigger games, it has very often been a misconception that Brian Kelly fails in big games because all we remember are the way that they played against Clemson, Alabama Alabama twice in the college football playoff in the BCS National Championship game, and also some of their New Year's Six Bowl games, yada, yada, yada. But there are a lot of times that we can point to a lot of games against Clemson, a lot of games against Florida State where – Brian Kelly has stepped up and he has gotten his team ready. He's got the best roster that he has ever had as a head coach, way better than it was last year. I really do think if this goes in LSU's favor, it's going to come down to what Brian Kelly and this coaching staff can do to get them prepared for this game. And I think the other thing too, that's also not talked about. I think the way that they prepared for Alabama last year, it's pretty clear that Brian Kelly is very vindictive. Like he is like, I'm going to go out and get the guys that have made me look bad. He did that against Nick Saban, man. He came after Nick Saban. He put everything into preparing for that game against Nick Saban. You could see that in the energy on the field. And I think that the way that they lost last year off of special teams errors, that they're going to come in this game and say, we're not losing this damn game the way that we did last year. If we're going to lose, it's going to be off of the you know true grit on the last seconds of something crazy. We're, we're going to fight tooth and nail until we win this game. I think that it could be very eerily similar to what happened with, with Alabama and LSU last year. 
Yeah, and I do think special teams is a part of this that we haven't talked about as much. You know, what does Aaron Anderson look like for LSU back there? The former five-star, yes. a lot of LSU people are high on him. And, look, LSU got better throughout the year of special teams. If they don't have a block kick or block extra point, then what? Do you have the same I, kicker? Yeah, they have the same kicker, Damian okay. Ramos. He was a freshman last year. Look, here's a guy that I know that you'll remember, Joe, that um, a lot of Notre Dame fans will remember. I've been highly impressed by Bob Diaco. Oh, highly they, impre highly wait, impressed by him. I actually didn't even know that Diaco was on the staff. So he was an analyst and then LSU's uh, D-line coach, God bless him, oh. uh, got, got hospitalized and is going to be yeah. out for the year. And Bob Diaco stepped up as the Jack linebackers coach and special teams coordinator. Now, that man has done, in my opinion, it's looked better than any time Brian Polian had it. Any time that Brian Polian's dumbass had it. So, I do think, look, I, it's a hot take because I want to see this from Aaron Anderson. If the nation would say, like, if Aaron Anderson returned a punt or a kick for a touchdown, they'd be the biggest surprise from LSU from one year to the next. I would be the least surprised human being on the planet if that happens because of how good Aaron Anderson is and how what I've seen from Bob Diaco. So that is an interesting point. Joe, another point in this before we get out of here that I, I really want to hone in on, okay? Both of these quarterbacks have Heisman potential, Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels. The final thing that I'm going to say on this game is, is, is simple. If Jane Daniels does what we think that he – in all the preparation, all the things that he's done during the offseason or the non-playing portion of the year, if he translates what he's been doing from off the field and on the practice field to on the game field, I'm – if I see two drives where he's just the – excuse me, the dude we've been seeing, I'm not going to worry one bit. Not one bit. And one thing that – I think it's another like Florida State. This people uh, fans are like, oh well, he just ran all over us. Well, no shit. What's going to happen if he has and he has connections with the receivers in, in a in a year yeah. two scenario? I just think that he is the ultimate X factor, and if he can translate what he's been doing, the sky is the limit for him, dude. The sky is the limit. Well, I also I don't know if you're going to get mad at me for bringing this up, but I also think that no Keishon Butte and no you know, field need to force him the football. It takes a lot of pressure off of, of Jaden Daniels. And you kind of start, started to see that at the end of the season, I think, I think we're going to get a lot more comfortable of a guy. Um, again, and I've always said this, he's perfect for what Brian Kelly needs in a quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback that they've, he has ever had in his time as a head coach. If well, he plays I well, even in this game and maybe they don't win it, it's still evidence that you guys can run the table and, and win out the rest of your schedule. Well, so this is where I want to end with this, okay? I do think both teams have to – like, like it is crucial for both teams to win this one because you, then you can't slip up. Like, yeah. we talked so much during the offseason about, oh, well, this team needs to win, that team needs to win. I think both teams need to win because, look, and I said this the other day, Joe, and I, I, I'll get your thought on this. I do think LSU clearly has the t more difficult path here. Would you rather go through Alabama? I know they're Alabama, but going on the road to play them and Georgia potentially, or would you have to? Would you rather have to go through Clemson twice? I'd rather have to go through Clemson twice. I think it's more of a relief if LSU were to win because you still play a lot of really good teams than what Florida State has to face down the road. Like, their other non-conference opponent that's in the Power Five is Florida. Congratulations. Miami, who yeah. Van Dyke is still Van Dyke at the end of the day. You're better than Miami. That Who else? Would, Duke. Okay, we'll see how good they are on Monday. But this is, I, this is a – look, it's not a complete must win, but you just wouldn't be able to slip up. Who do you think it's, it's bigger for? Um – I, I've said this before that I think the win is I, – I, man, I, I really still don't know where I stand on this. I think it's more important for for Florida State to get this win because 
I, I almost this is a weird take, but whenever it comes down to picking the college football playoff, it's all about quality losses. And I think that LSU has enough winnable games on their schedule against recognizable SEC brands that that will build up the wins on their record. And if they finish with two losses or one loss, they're still going to be able to push their way in. It's a lot harder or more of an uphill battle for an ACC team that, you know, if they lose, lose this game and they lose to Clemson, if they have two losses, they're not getting in. There is a world where we can talk ourselves into LSU getting in with two losses if they lose in the SEC championship game. I don't think that we can do the same thing for Florida State if they lose and then lose later on in the ACC championship game and they have two losses. It's going to be fun, man. Yep. Fun. All right. Good week one. We'll preview week two to, tomorrow. That'll be That's also going to be fun. So, Hell yeah. All right, let's go watch a hell of a football game, man. I, like I said, I, every game, it doesn't matter if LSU plays Rudy Poo State or Rudy Poo Tech. I always get nervous. Hell yeah. Always get nervous. All right, guys. We'll <laughs> see you guys again on Monday. Aaron Miller said, what are you drinking tonight, Blake? I'm going to be on that Woodf- Woodf- Woodford. Hell yeah. Are you drinking anything tonight for tonight's no, game? It's a, it's a Sunday. I only drink on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, Don't give me that look. Why? Well, it, it's it's bad for for protein muscle synthesis, so I don't want to disrupt my production in the gym. You can All clip right. that. We'll see y'all tomorrow, guys. Peace.